On this episode, I discuss the Super Bowl as the Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. They win 38-35 to over the Philadelphia Eagles. Plus, I speak with Coach John Beeline, the former head coach of Michigan basketball, and I discuss with him his position with the Detroit Pistons and on his reflection on being into the Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame and his time at Michigan. You'll find that, plus a little bit more, on this episode of the Get Stuck Podcast. Here we go. It is February, Tuesday the 14th. I am your host, Austin Stokel. Let's get right into things. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Hope everyone is doing well. First order of business, Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl 38-35 to by a field goal with the last few seconds remaining. Why is that important? That was my prediction on Friday's edition of this podcast. And safe to say, I did pretty well predicting the Super Bowl. I got nothing right leading up to it, but I'm going to take this dub any day. And when this game was happening, I was sitting there thinking, there's no way that my prediction comes true. And this is going to be 38-35 Kansas City. And when Kansas City got 35 I was thinking to myself, you know, this this may happen. And then Philadelphia tied the game with their incredible clock management, management, excuse me, of the ball and the time. And I was thinking, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I was telling him, everyone around me, this is what I predicted. It is going to happen. And I was a little weary at first. But then when Kansas City was running down the clock, to where it was eight seconds left to go. And Harrison Butker hit the field goal with four seconds left on the clock. It was, I knew it. I knew it. I should have bet money on it. I didn't. Unfortunately, all the sports books won't let me for some odd reason. But anyways, it was a fantastic game. It was a great game. Just for Philadelphia's clock management skills just to go to waste I mean come on they had ample opportunities to put this game away and props to the Kansas City O-line for giving zero sacks against the Philadelphia defense who was who was supposedly or not supposedly it was fact that they were one of the best defenses in the country And the fact that the Kansas City offensive line did not allow a single sack to happen on Patrick Mahomes is outstanding. You would at least see one or two in the Super Bowl. And another thing that I noticed is there were no interceptions. No interceptions. It was mind-blowing to say the least. And let's not forget that Jalen Hurts put on one heck of a performance. He could have won the MVP easily had the Philadelphia Eagles won the game. And 
Granted, they looked very, <coughs> excuse me, very, very good going into this game. And it was four touchdowns, I believe, over 300 yards. I I was impressed. I was so impressed with Jalen Hurst's performance that the future is bright in Philadelphia. And let me take a step back. It was 344 yards, one passing touchdown, and I believe he th- ran for three touchdowns. And so he, he alone, or for the m- most part of this game, he carried the Philadelphia team against Kansas City, who had more talent on the wide receiver end, who had more talent offensively. Defensively, they didn't have as good of talent, but they played their butts off. This was a performance of a lifetime. I have to say, this is one of the best Super Bowls I've seen all the way up until the very end, until it was kind of an anticlimactic ending. And nobody, I'm sorry, nobody expected it to end that way, where Philadelphia would just be absolutely blowing Kansas City out of the water just for them to fail. So then again, it was a great performance, Patrick Mahomes played a near-perfect second half. Travis Kelsey is arguably the best tight end in all of football, if <laughs> excuse me, if not all time. And he's certainly one of the best. I have no doubts in my mind about that. And Jalen Hurts will be a contending quarterback year in and year out for the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Philadelphia Eagles, they have some free agents coming up. They have a lot of moves that they need to make if they want to come back to the Super Bowl. And I'm going to make an early prediction. I'm going to say they make an early exit in the NFC Championship, much like how the Cincinnati Bengals did this year when everyone thought in the postseason the Cincinnati Bengals are going to go to the Super Bowl over the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's going to happen for the Philadelphia Eagles. Am I saying that my hometown team, Detroit Lions, are going to make it? No. I think they'll make the playoffs for sure. Their future, I think, is bright for Detroit. Brighter than I've ever seen it before. And Detroit is another topic for another day. But my biggest takeaway from this Super Bowl is that Philadelphia is just maybe one player away or one play, one piece of management away from a Super Bowl. Now, Jalen Hurts, I said in my last uh, episode that he may succumb to some of the pressure of the Super Bowl. He did. That, I believe, was to be expected. Third-year QB leading a very talented Philadelphia Eagles roster to the Super Bowl. And, of course, there's going to be flaws in every quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady included. And I just have to say, now that Jalen Hurts has been to the Super Bowl, has seen what it's like, has seen how high the stakes are, he is going to be one of the best quarterbacks for the next 10 years if he remains healthy. You know, even even if he has a little bit of an injury, I think he's still going to be very, very good. So until... I can see 
a vast improvement from the Eagles, the optimism is running very, very high. So here on the Get Stoked podcast, I have a very special guest that is, I think, the biggest name that I've had on so far, and that is former Michigan head coach John Beeline. And coach, how would you like me to address you? Uh, you call me just coach. Coach, good. coach, it is wonderful to have you on. How is Toronto? Toronto is good. It's a beautiful day here. It's cold like I'm sure Michigan is, but it is also uh, it's sunny, and uh, I'm going to walk to Lake Ontario today. And <laughs> that... I grew up right across from Lake Ontario in Niagara County in New York State. So um, it's it's fun to see Lake Ontario from the, uh, from the other side. Wow, that is phenomenal. And first and foremost, I'd like to congratulate you for being inducted into the Collegiate Hall of Fame and, of course, the Michigan Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was uh, both are special. Um, the fact that I'd never really lived in Michigan at all, and uh, we've had uh, 15 wonderful years here in Michigan, still live here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and the College Basketball Hall of Fame, when, when I was inducted with uh, Lon Kruger and Jim Calhoun uh, and Roy Williams, I don't think I have to say anything more. It was very humbling, and it was extremely great. I'm extremely grateful. Of course, yeah, and deservedly so. You have had quite the resume at Michigan, being the number one winningest all time at Michigan in their history. And of course, my first question to you goes all the way back to the beginning. And what was your first basketball experience? And from that moment, what was the most important takeaway that you have used throughout your career? Uh, you know, my, my first experiences were actually weren't on a court. It was my brother and I. I, I come from nine. Uh, there's nine children in my family, so wow. we had to invent some things. And uh, <laughs> folding, up, folding up a hanger and putting it over a doorway and sort of making it look like a, a hoop and playing with a sock from when at the time I was like four or five years old all the way to <laughs> – probably uh when i could make a basket when i got to be eight or nine uh on a farm actually we had we had a basket outside but had no pavement or anything it was just yeah you play off the dirt for a long time until it got paved when i was in seventh grade so that that was it but austin i think what's important though is in my blood my my uh i have three uncles two of them were here world war ii war heroes Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they were basketball coaches. They were coaches, but primarily basketball coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were, um, I, my dad would take me to their games when I was very young. My dad was a, uh, uh worked in a, st- in a paper, was a laborer and in management in a paper company. So when I would get to go see a basketball game with them and watch, uh, play it, I got hooked early. I really got hooked early on on basketball and listen to games. And, uh, I, I was in high school and, and junior high when a thing called the little three in Buffalo, New York at St. Bonaventure, Canisius and Niagara. Mm-hmm. And at the time of my teenage years, they also had Calvin Murphy and Bob Lanier playing for those teams. So, Oh, wow. I was really, uh, enamored with college basketball and the pros as well. And, uh, that's how it all started. Oh, wow. What a great start to a phenomenal career. And kind of going over to your players here for a second, I see time and time again you with your players. And do you always keep in touch with them? And 
if there is one particular player, or you can name a set of them, is there anyone that you hear from the most? Well, there's 200 and some of them. So <laughs> I go back to, I had my whole varsity basketball team from high school um, come and visit me for the Wisconsin, 13 of the 14 guys for the Wisconsin game like five years ago. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I stay in touch with them all periodically. Uh, but I, I don't think there's any, any more than others. And it's all periodic. I look forward to uh, the weekend here of February 17th and 18th, where our 2013 team, I'll get to see some guys I haven't seen in a couple of years, even though we have text or had phone calls. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And if there's one name that would have to come to mind for me, it would have to be Austin Hatch because I have a more personal connection than most people do. And right here in Northern Michigan with your, mm-hmm. which you being familiar with as well, he's right down the street from my parents' house. So, yep. so it's always nice to see him. Yeah, he's a, he's a special young man who I'm obviously very close to, and we play golf together in the summer now, and we, we see each other on a wholly whole different plane now. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, a coach player anymore. It's, it's like a, he's like a son to me, and uh, so we really uh, we stayed in touch a lot. He's probably one that I'm in, he, he's in the top five or so of people that I'm in touch with. Okay, okay. That is, that is phenomenal. And uh, going back to what I said earlier about the Collegiate Hall of Fame, what was your first reaction when you first heard that you were inducted? Well, I think that I, I had a moment of, uh, of emotion where, where maybe a tear or two came to my eyes because I realized uh, this was a very, very select group. And um, it was... It's just wonderful to be recognized like that because it wasn't uh, probably the way that that we were able to accomplish that from junior college, Division, division uh, NAIA, Division two, four levels of Division one. It, was, uh, it, it wasn't easy, Austin, but it, 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 each step prepared me for the next step. So when I finally did get to the, the superpowers, West Virginia and Michigan, I felt I was really prepared the best I could be and there was still going to be still going to be hard um, but I was more prepared than others because of the years of driving vans and and eating at Ponderosa and <laughs> and do, just just doing the different things and 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 you know going to clinics all day and doing these things I, I felt really prepared because of the journey wow just wow and uh, all the way from when you first started at Newfane High all the way to Michigan how has the game changed or if at all and what were some of the biggest lessons that you took away along the way well the game has changed dramatically if you if you go from when i began and both the shot clock and the three-point shot were huge but because it basically it changed completely with those two things but there was incremental changes along the way and uh, i've always prided myself embracing change so um with doing that um we were able to to, you know maintain the game i think coaches sometimes that don't make it uh, is because uh they're not as willing to change or be vulnerable and say you know i did i i gotta i have to do things differently than i've done before this is a different style of game and i i'd be wrong if i kept doing this 
because it, you, it worked 10 years ago. And so it's, there's, there, you got to be humble to be a good coach. And I hope I, I hope I was. I think from me being as a fan and for all of the fan bases that you had the privilege of coaching, I, I can say for certain that you've done a phenomenal job. And, uh, of course, it was sad to see you go in 2019. And uh, going over to the NBA now for a little bit, and knowing that LeBron James current, uh, recently passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for all-time leading scorer, does that make him the greatest of all time, or does he still have some work to do? No, I, I, he can work all he wants to. I, I, I never been... I see people argue about these things. It's, <laughs> it's certainly the greatest of this era. Of course, of right course. Now. Uh, but when you, it's that's like apples and oranges. That's like uh, it, it's you compare whether it's Oscar Robinson who averaged a triple double, you know Jerry West, Will Chamberlain. It was a different era. Of course, yeah. And uh, people would argue forever that there's no answer to it. Or then you go to Magic and Larry Bird and the and then Michael Jordan era and then the Kobe era. They're all the greatest of those eras. And there's meant Bill Russell. I mean, I don't even like talking about it because you're going to forget <laughs> somebody that's that's terrific. So mm-hmm. I think it's unfair to, to call anybody the, the, the goat of pro NBA basketball, college basketball, mm-hmm. because it's just so different, the environments and the, the way the game is played over of, time. Of course. And in one of my earlier episodes, I had that same argument that it's hard to compare – because of the different eras and the different styles of play, and it's just evolving ever much so. And it's great to hear from a great athletic mind like yours just to see what your thoughts were on that. And um, my next question kind of is all over the place, but it has to do with the NIL, which I know you haven't had a whole lot of experience with, but what are your thoughts on it, and how has it changed the game of basketball or just athletics in general? Well, I, you know, I, I'd have to, uh, I have to study it more because it's come on so quickly. I, mm-hmm. I think it gradually may work itself out uh, to figure out a, a plan with this. So um, I would, I'm I actually all for uh, players receiving the extra, the, the ones that are, that can actually market themselves and, and make money off of that. Um, so it's uh it's going to be interesting. I think uh, any comment on that, I think I want to see how this plays o- over a five-year period. And uh, rather than – I just don't know enough about it um, and because uh, I'm not involved with it right now. I would certainly learn if I was involved. But I, I, I do think there's a, there's a medium here where, where the fact that uh, if someone is, is earning that money because uh, it's – they deserve it, and the crowds are appropriate. But to recruit with that until the kid earns it, that's that's hard. That's that's hard. So, but we'll see. But I, I'm a reserve judgment eye for now. Okay, that's that's fair enough. And it's just been a whole mess, uh, specifically at the at the football level. Just all these deals being presented to each player, and it, it's a mess. Yeah. So I respect you for having that reserve not uh, comment on that and. Not a lot of people like to go that route, but I appreciate you taking that route. Well, well you know, the, the whole thing is that there's, um, 
the money that is there's there's only about 20 or 30 schools that actually make money because of athletics Mm -hmm. everybody else is either losing it or that money that they make goes to fund uh a a, a, uh what what has been seen as a greater cause the women's soccer team the women's hockey team the the men's soccer team all those things and that's a really good thing to be able to do and so um it's a, uh, it, I think, as like I said, it's going to work itself out. I think as, as people go, I just, uh, college basketball, college football, great sports, but, um, I do know it's, there's a dynamic there that, uh, is, is difficult to manage and coaches have to learn to do that. Of course, of course. And for this next question, I'd like to pick your brain a little bit, specifically going back to the two national title appearances in 2013 and 2018, where you had two incredible squads and what was that experience like leading those teams to those title games against Louisville and Villanova respectively well the the team that was uh, in 13 was so very young I mean there was five the Fred the fresh five I guess we would call them uh-huh. that played in every game and uh, all five of those guys except uh, Spike Albrecht uh, were became NBA players, but you also have Tim Hardaway, Trey, uh, Trey Burke, Jordan Morgan, John Horford. We had great leadership from uh, our senior class that year: Josh Bartlestein, Esso Okunje, uh, Blake McClymans, Matt Bogrich, Corey Person. That it was it was really a unique group because usually you don't have upperclassmen as giving to the young guys. And you don't have the player of the year <laughs> too often. It's only happened twice in Michigan history mm-hmm. and in Trey Burke. So um, it was, uh, it, I, I thought maybe it would be the next year we may make a run like that. Uh, and, uh, but that particular year we made a great run and um, all of a sudden we're in the championship game. But um, people ask me about, well, this was key or this was key. But the key to me was the losses that we had. The loss at Penn State, lost to Wisconsin in the tournament, lost to Indiana on in the last game of the year. Of course, that made us be- that made us better, rather than the Trey Burke's shot certainly made us opportunity. But those games made Trey Burke better, so uh, there was a lot to it. And then eight, certainly eighteen was um, a very different team. That was that was a team that had had not been had had just barely made it in the tournament in. Uh, in in 16 then had a good run in 17 and then we lost our leadership in with walton and uh and zach urban and now all of a sudden there's this whole new team or not a whole new team but a team a team without our two leaders and boy they had a great year they played some great basketball if i recall correctly was it 2018 where the plane did not take off and you had you had arrived to uh, what, it was either Chicago or Indianapolis, where you had yeah, played. It in was seventeen, and 17. We were, it was seventeen. We were trying to go to DC. Oh, that's right, and, and you uh, had your practice yeah, jerseys so, on. Yeah, yeah, we went four and zero in that tournament. We went four and zero the next year in that tournament. We went two and we won at one time. We won ten straight Big Ten tournament games from after that plane crash. Ten, ten in a row, Big Ten tournament games. So you'll see these. You'll see programs that are really good, and they'll say, yeah, the coach has only won once or twice, or the team has only won once or twice in the Big Ten tournament over a five-year period. 
Wow. And, and just think about that. We, we the Michigan was able to, our guys were able to win 10 in a row. That's just, so, uh, and, and the yeah. Michigan state game, we'd love to have back. We just didn't quite get it done, but of course. that was a, that was an impressive run that we had in all after a plane crash made us better. Oh, absolutely. And I, I don't think I've ever heard anything like it where you, you have a plane crash. Thankfully nobody was injured and then you just go on an absolute tear of a streak and just go 10 and 0, like you mentioned. You know, what was funny, Austin, was that you go on that streak and you win in Washington, and now you go and you have Oklahoma State and Louisville waiting for you in the tournament, mm-hmm. and we took care of that business, too. Usually you you might say, oh, they're going to drop off now. Of course. Uh, they, the, the plane crash is over, their momentum is over, and we played well, and then we lost to Oregon really virtually at the buzzer. Uh, oh, they yeah. got an offensive rebound and, and went ahead, and then Derek Walton, who didn't miss a shot, and Washington had a shot, his front rim out against mm-hmm. Oregon or we would have been the lead eight. So of course, yeah. it was a good, it was a heck of a run. Oh, absolutely. And uh, going back to 2013 for a quick second, I think one of the most memorable shots was against Kansas in the Sweet 16, Trey Burke tying it in the final seconds to go into overtime. And that was just incredible shot. Sure. Way downtown to tie it for the game, mm-hmm. just to go on to, I believe, face Florida in the Elite Eight before you faced Wichita State in the final four, but it was just an absolute heck of a run. And it was incredible to watch. Well, it was, uh, as I said, that, that 13, that play with the big, the big story is we were down by 13 in the second half. We we're down by like eight with about three or four minutes to go. I think might even been less, uh, Trey hits that shot. And, uh, we end up, uh, we actually, we, we beat Florida the next night where we, we played in Clevy. Well, and then we beat Syracuse, oh, that's right. Wichita Excuse state, me. Wichita state lost to Louisville. And then we lost to Louisville. So oh. um, Excuse I told me Fred Van, I was with Fred Van Fleet last night because we were playing Toronto. And I uh-huh. said, you know what? Some of my staff, man, most of my staff did not want to play Wichita State. They wanted to play Louisville because uh, Fred Van Fleet would, would, could guard anybody on our team yeah. and shut anybody down. And we didn't want to play against yeah. a defender like him. Of he course. got a kick out of that. Of course. But my apologies for mis, uh, mistaking those. That's okay. Uh but that again, great year, absolutely phenomenal year. I honestly think you guys should have won that. And there's there's a multitude of things that could have gone either way. It was just that close of a national championship. It was a, yeah, it was a great game. And we have Spike Albrecht come off the bench and get 17. They have Luke Hancock come off the bench and I might have had just as many. And both mm-hmm. those guys were under recruited. You know, three star players, two star players that now are in the national championship game, and everybody, everybody's marveled how good they are. So it was, it, there was a, it was a, there was a, it was a great basketball game, and uh, we were, it was wonderful to be a part of it. Of course, of course, and with your experience of coaching Michigan, being a nationally recognized team as well as West Virginia, how has leading those two teams gave given you experience to take? your next step into the NBA being an advisor for the team like the Pistons? Well, I think it's, it's just not those two teams. It's every place I ever coached in the high school, junior college, mm-hmm. you know, NAI division two and division three or division one. It's you, you just, it's, it's a 10,000 hour type of thing. You just, you watch things for over and over and over again. And there's certainly different talent at those levels, but there's a lot of commonalities. And so you try to just 
and and there's and the game has evolved as we we previously discussed. So it is. Um, you just take it which where you think it's important and use that and uh, see what happens. And you know the NBA is younger than younger every year. It's been young for a while, and we have a lot of people that are at that same age that they were when I was coaching them in Michigan. Uh, and we had Jalen Duran just turned 19. And so it's, we got a young, young basketball team. And that's where dealing with 19, 20 year old kids. That's what I've done my whole life. So that's been helpful as well. Yeah. And especially with, uh, I know you mentioned earlier before you came on here, James Wiseman j- just traded to the mm-hmm. Pistons. You had to work with him a little bit today mm-hmm. as well as, uh, working with Jaden Ivy, Jalen Duran, and Cade Cunningham, how how is that like? What is that like? Well, Cade, all our guys. One thing that we've done really well, a great job up here, is is drafting, training four high character guys that want to be coached, and uh, where it's uh, and and you know I'm I'm indirectly and directly involved, but more indirectly with everybody, just sort of setting up the the development program for development coaches that that work with us so uh, yeah Cade uh, has got you know, great great potential and he's really hungry to be to get through this injury and come back next year and uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch his his journey as well of course and right now I know the Pistons are a little ways away from making the playoffs but it has been entertaining to see this young group just play together yeah, they, uh, this is, you know, we're going through it right now, but, you know, you, you have to, yeah, I guess you would call it failing forward, mm-hmm. is that as we learn from our mistakes, we learn from the losses, uh, if you put it in the right perspective, you, uh, you, you're you going to benefit from it if, if you if you can put it there. So we're, uh, we're growing daily, not as quickly as anybody wants, but we are seeing a lot of that growth. Good. Well, I am excited to see how things turn out with you and the Pistons and uh, kind of going back and forth here for a second. Uh, when you, when you had departed from Michigan in 2019 to head towards the NBA, was there anything in particular that, uh, that made you consider doing that? Or was there any, uh, was it small stuff that you had seen throughout the years contemplating about right. going to the NBA? You know, there was a challenge. If I never would have got to Michigan if I wasn't ready to go after challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, we had it. We had it rolling at Canisius, uh, and I decided to to go to Richmond because uh, because I guess I think because uh, people told me not to. You got it rolling at Canisius, and then we had it rolling at Richmond. And West Virginia had been one in fifteen in the Big East the year before, one in fifteen. And uh, they said, "Why are you leaving Richmond?" You know. And then West Virginia, we had selling out every game. Um, NCA two great runs in the NCA and NIT championship with a young team, selling out every game. And we go to Michigan, who was getting about we got the first game I showed up. There was four thousand people in the stands. Wow. And and my my son said to me, "Tell me who was a senior." in high school at the time, tell me why we moved here again. There's 4,000 people <laughs> at this game. They don't even care. And so uh, when there's been opportunities and challenges that I just said, you know what? 
uh, I'm going to give this a shot. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but it's part of my journey. And uh, that's a that's not a it's not a bad characteristic to have that you're not afraid of challenges. Of course. And I think it was a courageous leap that you took. Definitely an unexpected one from the Michigan fan base. But it was, well, it, it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's something that you, you, you have to understand how the, the dynamic in the NBA, it, if I, uh, I, I understand it much better now that it being an assistant in the NBA, mm-hmm. um, but it was something that, that I wanted to, it wasn't like I even, I didn't grow up my whole life saying I want to coach at West Virginia or Michigan. Uh, I didn't necessarily my whole life say I want to coach in the NBA. It just was a challenge that presented itself. It was more about challenges than anything else. Of course, of course. And when when a challenge arises, you have to come and take it. I completely understand well, you, that. You have to choose well, Austin. You can't take on every challenge, but I thought of that course. it was the timing. The timing may be right for that. Mm-hmm. And um, and and what I was most proud of, I felt we were, we were leaving the, the it, we were leaving the Michigan program in really good shape. Mm-hmm. And so it was. It, it, there's, that's a good time to leave. I would not have wanted to leave if we didn't have it in really good shape. And then Juwan's done a great job with it since then. Of course, of course. And with you being an assistant in the NBA, is there a particular process that you have to go through with these players day in and day out to get them ready for games, such as one that you had recently? Yeah, it's a. Uh, there is a, a definite different process. Um, for example, we—I mean, you, you play virtually every other day, and sometimes back to back. So, rest is a premium, and hard practices to get you better. Like let, let's say at Michigan State, or let's say we we law, we uh, played Michigan State on Saturday up in East Lansing, and we lost. We had Indiana at home on Wednesday. That, that Sunday we take off. Monday and Tuesday because we were rested, we'd have incredible. A two-hour practice followed by a probably an hour and forty-five minutes practice that are strong, and then we're ready. We're ready to play in the end, and we can make, and we can correct ourselves in the things that we did not do well against Michigan that we have to do to beat Indiana. Well, in the NBA, that's very different. That you, you played, you play on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, uh, Sunday. And and then just, you might have a day off, and then you go do it again. There's not that time that in in between days uh, are the days that you just have to show video, so walk through something, keep them fresh, and, and also a 48 minute game compared to a 40 minute game, it makes it a little bit more difficult. So um, it's very, it's that dynamic is extremely different. And to get teams better, they need to play through it and learn from video, and you cannot. Um, make some of the development move you want just in practice. It's it's a longer term process. Of course, and I really was always wondering that, so I appreciate you uh, giving me a little bit of an inside scoop on that. So that's really nice to see. And this next question, uh, it does pertain to basketball. It's more about, uh, I guess, in a way, personal references. And is there a particular motivating or word or phrase that you use or you keep close to your chest often? Oh, there's so many of them. I grew up with a, with a mom and a dad that were always had sayings for us, you know, all the time. But, um, with, with it, it, sometimes when young coaches ask me about some advice, one of the things I, I always say is your team is, 
team is never as good as they look. They're never as bad as they look, and they're never far from either one. So, so don't overreact. Uh, don't, don't either way. You're, you're, you, you just got to keep working through things. So that, that's, you know, one of them that's really important. Um, I, I think that, uh, volume breeds confidence. And so I, we always practice with a lot of repetitive drills that may be same, very, very boring, but when you do them enough, you're very confident, uh, that you're going to make shots or, or do a particular drill. So those are two, I think volume builds confidence and, and, uh, you're never as bad or as good as, as you think you look. Wow. Would that be all right if I use some of those sometime? Sure. Use it sometime. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And I remember when you were up north in northern Michigan in August for the luncheon, you had potential, uh, you had mentioned about, or it was either to me specifically or to the crowd, uh, you had mentioned about starting your own podcast. And are you still hoping that you could yeah, do that? I, I, I don't know what the future is going to hold me. I, I love my my brief time in the media world with the big 10 network. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would like to actually write a book some days, but maybe a podcast where I could talk, tell that story with the lessons learned in it okay. is another option. So I'm, uh, I, I have a, I, I think I have a lot left in me to share. And so I'm, um, I'm sort of complicating, uh, uh, processing all those things and, after our season's over this year, uh, that will come clearer and clearer to me. But I, I love, I still love teach, and I love teaching at University of Michigan. Oh my goodness, that was I love teaching leadership and at, at, and coaching at um, at Michigan. So I, I, I know I have some options in front of me. And uh, there's another. It was another. There's another great quote for you. Uh, success doesn't come to the chosen few. The success comes to those who choose well. And so I'd like to choose some things again that I would be successful. I could be successful and, and, and help others. Wow. That, that is a very powerful one. And one that I think a lot of us should hold on to, uh, day in and day out. But, uh, again, uh, I have a few more questions for you, but before I answer those, um, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate you taking your time out of your busy day. Okay. Yep. Let's, uh, if you can just, if we can finish up, that'd be great. Of course. Uh, one, two more. If you had the potential opportunity or the challenge to go back into college and coach any team in the country, would you have a preference? <laughs> I, I would not, I can't answer that one because, uh, that's once again, that, that there are so many valuables involved in those things. So college, but let's say college basketball has been very, very good to me and my family. And, uh, so uh, I love college basketball. I love coaching and I love college basketball. I love the NBA basketball. I still am young, feel young, but, uh, I have no preference, but I, I, and I loved all the places that I was a lot that I had the great fortune to coach at. And uh, so that they would, I can't tell you enough about how good people were with to me at every stop along the way. And we, we, we know this is a Michigan uh, area show, but you, there's not a better university anywhere than, uh, than the University of Michigan. Of course. Of course. And one more here for you. Did you happen to watch the Super Bowl last night 
And what were your thoughts, if you did? I did watch it, and uh, it was uh, it was extremely entertaining. I, I have to confess, I am a huge uh, Buffalo Bills fan. <laughs> uh, therefore, I am also an AFC fan, and I uh, I root for the AFC in every Super Bowl. However, I changed my mind last night on that <laughs> and uh so and was disappointed with the result but uh it's a great football game and uh but my our bills will be back i can't wait till our bills are back and uh have another chance to go after the super bowl of course and it was in my mind an anticlimactic finish just at the very end of yeah. the game uh yeah. and i have one last question for you i kind of spring this at the spur of the moment and it's a random question that i bring up with everyone i speak to and my question for you is, if you were to be any animal from the animal kingdom and you had to choose one, what would you be? <laughs> that one? Awesome. I'm not going to, I'm not going to answer it. I'm not gonna answer. I have no idea what that would be. So if I you call me back in a year and I'll give you an answer. Okay? All right. Sounds good. Uh, Coach Beeline, it is an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time. Awesome. Good luck. A pleasure to be on. Good luck with your podcast. Thank you. Before I go, there is one more thing that I'd like to address, and that is the tragedy that occurred at Michigan State. And my thoughts and prayers are with those that have been immediately affected by this cowardly and senseless act. And I just, I'm at a loss of words where this should not happen on our college campuses. This breach of safety should be almost non-existent. But time and time again, it has occurred. And I, ju- I will just say, something, something needs to change. And I'm not sure what that is. But again, my thoughts and prayers go out to those who were affected, who were traumatized, terrified by that outrageously angering incident on Tuesday night. That does it for me on this episode of the Get Stuck Podcast. I'd like to thank Coach John Beeline for joining me on this episode. I greatly appreciated his time and his knowledge of the game of basketball And I had an absolute pleasure speaking with him. And to those at Michigan State, I'm praying for you. And things need to change for the better. So with that, I'll be signing off. Have a good rest of your week. We will see you on Friday.